0: The scripture reading tonight is Hebrews 12, verses 12 through 15. Hebrews 12, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Maybe I should do that with y'all too. It is good to be back uh, this evening with you as we uh, go through this process. And and Amy was telling me this morning that I would would go a little crazy sitting in the back. One of the blessings of sitting close to the front is hearing y'all sing and praise the Lord together. And that... That is a wonderful thing. And so where we sit, y'all sound incredible, uh, even on a Sunday night, um, maybe even more on a Sunday night. But th- it's, been, it's always exciting to be able to worship together as a family. It's always exciting to come for one purpose, and that is to glorify God. Hopefully we have done that, and we will continue to do that. Forgiving and forgetting. If you paid attention to Hebrews 12, that was just read a few, seconds, a few moments ago, 12 through 15 of Hebrews 12, then you noticed, may have noticed a phrase, bitterness, or the word bitterness. Let not bitterness come up. Let not bitterness have its place. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up. Sometimes we have trouble with bitterness, and, and I believe that that bitterness comes from many things, but it is a it is a, a boiling up process, and I don't I know people aren't going to like this phrase, but it is a, it is a festering process of a wound bitterness. It is an invasive spe- species in our lives, and I want you to look at this uh, picture. So the picture is hopefully there. a picture of a of an invasive species of of plant. If you've ever driven through Arkansas, if you've ever driven down the road through Tennessee and other places in the south, Louisiana and areas like that, you might have noticed these plants growing all over the place. And we call it kudzu, known also as the mile-a-minute plant or the vine that ate the south. I want to let you know it, 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 it overtakes quickly Abandoned homes, cars, telephone poles can grow listen, it can grow at a rate of one foot per day, a mile or a minute plant. spreads through runners, stems and and, and by vines in and it, and it roots at the nodes of other plants, at the bottoms and, and the roots. And it produces quickly in this manner. It wasn't, it wasn't introduced into the United States until the 1930s. It showed up in the 1800s at a World Fair, but then it wasn't planted until the 30s and 50s during the Dust Bowl in order to get some ground cover on those dry farmlands. $8 an acre a farmer might get paid if, if you allowed them. If, if, if I were a farmer and I allowed them to plant uh, kudzu on my property, I would get $8 an acre. Billions and billions are spent each year trying to combat this invasive species of weed. But I think about this and I think about the idea of bitterness growing up from within us. I think I think about about not being able to forgive other people and and the grudges that we hold and how that gets a hold of us and invades us and starts growing out. And finally, it comes out of us. And it affects our lives. It affects those people around us. Bitterness can grow in us, around us, and if we don't take take care of, of, of unforgiveness. And so we're going to be talking tonight about forgiveness, unforgiveness, and trying to forget things that we need to. What is forgiveness? Well, we'll talk about what it's not. When we think about forgiveness, forgiving people that need to be forgiven and in our lives that may have done something wrong to us, forgiveness is not these things. It's not just ignoring someone who's done something wrong to us. It's not just thinking, you know what, I'm just going to blow this off. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is is more than just, okay, they've hit me in in a way. They've hit me verbally. They've hit me uh, emotionally. I'm just going to walk off. I'm not going to hit back. Well, that's a good thing to do, but that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not ignoring sin when it's, when it's done against us. You think about this. God doesn't overlook sin. He does forgive us, but he, he forgives us of specific things, of our sins. So forgiveness is not just ignoring sins because God doesn't even do that. Jesus says in 17.3 of Luke, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. He doesn't say ignore it. Forgiveness isn't putting someone on probation when they do ask. Or or while we discuss how and remind them, I've forgiven this of you. Now you're on probation. Now I'm going to watch you to make sure. Because if you do that one more time, then you're off probation. And you've had it. As long as you're in, on good behavior, then you'll be fine. So that's not what forgiveness is. It, that is. That is what forgiveness isn't, but what is it? And so we're going to talk about some things that it is based on how we see God and His forgiveness. He, he is the ultimate example of forgiveness and being forgiving. When God forgives, Acts 3.19 reads, Repent, therefore be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And we have other scriptures, Hebrews 8.12. When he forgives, he forgets. When he forgives, he blots out our sins when we go through that process of following his will and doing what we need to. He forgives, he forgets. Hebrews 8:12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins, their lawless deeds. Notice this, I will remember no more. Hebrews 8 12. I will remember no more. That's forgiveness. It's not ignoring. Is going through the process of getting it out of the way. When God forgives, we are uh, when God forgives, he forgives us when we're in the wrong. And we know that we're in the wrong. But He He sees us, He loves us, and He wants us to be forgiven. His actions toward us, and when we're in the wrong is is their actions of love. You think about the prodigal son, and you think about the father waiting, and you think about that idea that Jesus teaches us that, that that's what forgiveness is all about. Maybe we can understand forgiveness a little better when we think about Esau in Genesis forgiving Jacob. Genesis 33 and Genesis 50, Joseph. And we know all the things that Joseph went through in order to forgive his, to get to the point where he can forgive his brothers. And they're in a position, but he forgives his brothers, cries about it. Numbers 12, Moses forgives his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron when they tried to usurp authority. And 1 Samuel 24, David forgave Saul who had been pursuing him, trying to kill him. And he forgives him in 1 Samuel 24. And then in Luke 15, I mentioned the prodigal son. You watch God forgive and that's how we should forgive. You watch God deal with his people when they sin and that's how we should. But you watch godly people in the Bible deal with people who need to be forgiven and then forgive them. That's how we should forgive. So why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why Why practice forgiveness? Why practice forgiveness? Well, go over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, if you will. And we have this scripture in verses 25 and 26 of Mark Mark 11. And I want you you to notice some, some wording as far and look for this word forgive. Look this look for this idea of someone forgiving someone else. 11, 25, and 26, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, do what? Ignore them. Just forget about it. No, that's not what it says. If you have anything against anyone, you forgive them. And then some stipulation that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses or your sins. But let that sink in. How frightening is that you come to God, and you come here, and you go, you go through the process of singing and participating in prayer, but you're carrying a grudge. You have something that has been growing inside of you. And, and, and God's specific about this when he says, forgive any," if you have anything against anyone. You need to do that in order for you to be forgiven. Jesus is dying on the cross in Luke 23, 34, and you have the example of him dying and then forgiving, asking God to forgive the people that who are crucifying him. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 16, as he's, as he's being stoned to death, he asks God to not charge them with this sin in Acts 7:16. Those were his last words before he enters into eternity. He didn't carry a spirit of them. For, he's being stoned to death. I don't know if, how many of y'all have ever been hit with a rock. So when, if you've been hit with a rock, great. It, it, have you ever been hit with a dirt? Have you ever had dirt clod fights? Dirt clods. You know what those are? Hardened, but yes, John has. Dirt clod fights. The cool thing about a dirt clod is when you throw it, and it hits your target, usually a person, dust flies. It kind of breaks apart if you throw it good enough. But I'm telling you, it hurts. But there's a prize to be had if you can nail your opponent several times with a dirt clod. Think about rocks. You're being stoned to death in a very violent way, and your first thought is, forgive these people as you're being... Beaten down and finally beaten to death with rocks. They're not dirt clods. These are rocks that are hitting him. The examples of the early Christians, Stephen. And then you have 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things, be fervent. Have fervent love for one another. Have desperate love. A love that covers a multitude of sin. Have this love of that forgives people no matter what. Do you need to be forgiven? Yes, I do. Then forgive me. Thank you for that. Because that's what love does. Love overlooks trespasses, goes beyond those mistakes that have been made against us and sees the person and not the deeds. Sees the person. Love calls for forgiveness. And then some of y'all are great examples of this next thing. Forgive because we've been forgiven. Listen to Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another in what way? Ephesians 4.32, as Christ in God forgave you. That's a lot of forgiveness. That's a lot of forgiveness. I don't know if you've ever been thrown down into a pit hoping by someone hoping that you would die. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I don't know if you've been sold into slavery because someone didn't like you. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I doubt it. But if you were and if you're sold into slavery, taken away from your dad, taken to another country, put in prison and gone through all the processes that Joseph had gone through. I just don't know how easy that would be for me to forgive those people. But Christians do that because Christ forgave us. In Ephesians 4.32, we forgive in order that we might be forgiven. And we read just a few moments ago that we won't be forgiven if we don't forgive. And we have to forgive because we never know. Mark 13.32, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. There's a parable in Matthew 18.21, or a line in 8.22, 1821, a parable about an un, unmerciful servant. He had been forgiven, but he wouldn't forgive another person. And now he's on his way to torment because he wouldn't forgive another person as himself. And, and, it's, a, and it's a shame. And so we forgive because we never know when the master's going to want to be paid back. What about our attitudes toward forgiveness? Our attitudes toward forgiveness. Here are some attitudes you might have, you might deal with, you might struggle with. One, I can't forgive. Oh, I've tried, but I've been carrying these things inside of me. I can't forgive them. Have they done terrible things? Yes. And so therefore, I can't. God doesn't require the impossible from us. He's forgiven us of the impossible sins that we, we thought were unforgivable. We can't use the excuse, I can't forgive. I'm incapable of it. If our God can forgive us, then we certainly can forgive other people. Or this attitude. I'm not going to forgive. I'm going to forgive you, but in the future, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. What kind of spirit is that? I'm going to forgive. What if God were to say that? I'll forgive you of your sins, but that's it. You get out. You're not allowed to come back to the building. You're done. Your sins are forgiven, but I will have nothing to do with you. We'll just stay on, on my side of the town. You stay on yours. Jesus didn't do that. He said I'm, he forgave us. God forgave us. Christ's blood cleansed us. And now we're in fellowship with him. And if we're members of one body, then we need to be in fellowship with each other. We will forgive and we will be linked together because of that. What about this attitude? I'm going to do you a favor by forgiving you. I'm going to be the bigger person. Really? Because that's kind of what, the opposite of how that sounds. You know, The person who sins against us can be forgiven by God with or without us. We get this idea in our head we're going to do someone a favor by forgiving them. That's that's wrong. They don't need us to be forgiven to be forgiven by God. And all we're doing is putting conditions upon forgiveness on ourselves. And finally, this attitude, I'm going to forgive, but I will never forget it. You've You've heard the phrase, let's just bury the hatchet. And maybe you've heard the other phrase, they buried the hatchet, but they left the handle sticking out. So we can get to that hatchet again and pull it out of the ground and rehash our problems. And I'll beat you over the head with that hatchet because I know exactly where it's buried. Or sweep in a room and then sweep in the dirt behind the door so that no one will see that it's there, but it's still there. That's not forgiveness. And we think, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. I'll sweep, but I won't put the dirt away. I'll bury the axe, but the hatchet, but I'll keep the handle out. I will forgive, but I won't forget. Now remember Hebrews ten seventeen: their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. I will forgive, God says, and I will forget those deeds. I will blot them out. I will, their, their sins will be washed away and I will remember them no more. So how, how are we supposed to forgive? From our hearts? Oh, we can say all day, we can say, I forgive you, you're forgiven. I forgive you, you're forgiven. But if our hearts aren't in it, then forgiveness isn't in it. We, we forgive from our hearts. We forgive, well, how did Christ forgive? Well, he forgave freely. I mean, there were no constraints. You ask for forgiveness. You go through the process of doing God's will. Your sins are forgiven and that's it. There are no constraints. You're not on probation. He he forgave freely. He didn't forgive just a little bit. Here, I'm going to forgive this and this and this and this of your sins. Not that one. And I'll come over here and forgive more and more on this side. Well, not that one. He didn't do that. Not piecemeal. He did it abundantly. He did it completely. And he did it immediately when we go through the process of following God's will, asking for forgiveness, having the forgiveness of sins by his blood as we're baptized into Christ. That's it. It's done. It's immediately done. And that's how we should forgive as well. And then finally he does it. And he doesn't do it with stipulations where we're on probation. Now, we might mess up as Christians. But we go through the process of asking for forgiveness. But when he forgives, it is immediately. So when do we forgive? When do we forgive? <laughs> how many times did Peter get asked if he should forgive uh, when he asked Jesus? He said, How many times do we forgive? Seven? And Jesus says, No. You know, where did he come up with, with seven? Matthew 18. Where did he come up with that? Well, traditionally, the rabbi would have taught you, you you have to forgive three times and then you don't have to forgive anyone anymore. So possibly Peter doubles the number. He adds one and he thinks that's sufficient. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I got another number for you. He says 70 times 7. So I get to 491 and that's it. I'm done. It's not how it works. We're not going to keep a ledger. We're not going to keep record. We're, it's, it's not, forgiveness isn't a matter of arithmetic. You can never out-forgive God. You're not going to keep count. If you're keeping count, you haven't forgiven in the first place. And so we're going, when do we forgive? Over and over and over. And if we can't, we've got a problem. So who starts the process of forgiveness? I'm not going to say I'm sorry until they say I'm sorry. Kids do that all the time. Who starts? Well, go over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now remember before we were talking about worshiping God and, and coming to God and you have a problem with your brother because they've offended you. You forgive them. Remember that. Well, now notice this in He in Matthew chapter five twenty three. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and then you remember that a brother this is 520, 523 and twenty four of Matthew. You remember that a brother has something not you against that they've done against you, but you remember that a brother has something against you. What What are the instructions? You leave your gift at the altar, you go your way, you find them, you're reconciled, you take care of that problem, and then come offer your gift. We want to worship God, we come here and we worship God. Now there are, there may be, I don't know in your life, there may be people who you've offended. And maybe you know, but you're just trying to blow it off and hope things just, you know, kind of take care of themselves. But before we can worship scripturally, we have to get things straightened out if we've offended people. And there's a saying, sometimes the shortest way to God's house is through a neighbor's to, the shortest way to God is through a neighbor's house. And that saying to me means you want to get to God, make sure everything is okay between you and your neighbor, your Christian brothers and sisters. You want to get to God, make sure that love is being shared. You want to get to God, make sure that relationships are restored if they're broken. A lot of worship services would be, would be uh, so much better if we, if, we, if we did that. Not that they're bad, I'm, not, I'm just saying that they would be better. There's no use in trying to talk to God if we're not on speaking terms with our brother. And then So that's the offender, Matthew 5. But let's go over to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. And we, 15 and 17, we've talked about this before. We, we will talk about it again throughout the rest of your Christian lives because it's a very important thing to talk about reconciliation between brothers and sisters. In Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you. So you've taken care of the problem of you offending your brother in it previously in Matthew 5. Now you're taking care of the problem of a brother offending you. What do you do? Well, 18 of Matthew says... Go to, te- go to them and tell him his fault. you go to him alone. Take care of it. If he hears you, you gained a brother. What if he doesn't? Well, if he doesn't hear you, then you take two or more that by the mouth two or three witnesses, every word might be a step. If, if that doesn't work, what? If he refuses to hear, the church let him to be like let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. The offender takes the initiative. The offended takes the initiative. A lot of times the attitude is, well, he sinned against me. You know what? I'll just wait until he comes to me. You know, a lot of times you you feel slighted and they don't even know that they've slighted you. And so you're offended and they have no idea. But if you went to them and let them know, here's what I'm dealing with concerning you, and they realized, wait, I didn't mean to do that, and you find out that it was a mistake, great. You've Reconcile that relationship. And so who's going to step forward to be the bigger person? You don't say, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to do you a favor. You say, I'm going to be the bigger person and ask for forgiveness. Or I'm going to be the bigger person and go to the person with whom I'm having a problem. Who is offended? Who is offended On the cross. We were the. But who was offended? Jesus was. And his attitude was, well, you offended me and you're on your own. That is absolutely not true. His attitude was, I'm dying for you. You are you have offended me and I want you to be forgiven. Who starts the process of forgiveness? We do. No matter what side we're on, we do. No matter if we've been offended or have been the offender, we start the process because we're Christians, and that's what we do. And if we don't, if we don't, we're poisoning our poisoning ourselves. If we don't, we're allowing Satan to bite us and poison us. And if we don't, we're poisoning those around us because of the poison of bitterness that is within us, the, the root of bitterness. I want you to look at this picture, if you would. Komodo dragon I saw, I saw a video on, on them not too long ago fascinating animals they're big 400 pounds and they're vicious they don't have fangs they have teeth and, and, and it was thought for several for, for decades and decades that they didn't have venom that they infected their prey because they had rotting meat in their teeth. But that's absolutely not true. They have toxins in their mouth, and they have venom pits in their heads. 600 kinds of toxins. They are more venomous than most snakes. But here's the deal. Here's what happens. When they go after their prey, they bite and they tear. And as they tear, venom comes out of those pits in their, in their heads and it infects the, the prey. Those, those poor animals that get bit by the Komodo dragon, they don't die right away. They, they just go off. And the only thing that, they, that is different about them is they have this flesh wound. But the Komodo dragons follow them. Because eventually that poison's going to do its work, and eventually that, that animal is going to go down, and when that animal goes down, it's all over. It's all over. And I believe wholeheartedly that when we're not able to forgive that that Satan has bit us, has bitten us, and he's put some poison in us, and if we don't take care of it, we're going to walk around until eventually we die spiritually of the venom, the poison that is within us. Forgiven sinners, forgiving sinners, and forgiven sinners, that's who will go to heaven. Unforgiven sinners won't, and unforgiving people won't. And so, what category are you in tonight as we, as we finish up this, this sermon? What category? Are you forgiven, and are you forgiving? If you're not a Christian, you're unforgiven, but you can be forgiven of your sins if you are a christian but you've been living with poison in you and you have been unforgiving you can get rid of that poison all you have to do is repent and if you need prayers let us know about that and we're going to offer the invitation we're going to stand and sing in just a few seconds and if you if you need to come forward for anything let us know if you are interested in a bible study as well let us know and we'll be happy to do that let's stand and sing as we contemplate these things